Welcome to the Mother Whelm. I'm your host Bronwyn and these are Mother Whelm Bites. In these bite-sized episodes, I chat with mental health professionals about common challenges that women face throughout their seasons of matrescence. Today's Mother Whelm Bite is more like a Mother Whelm meal. Lisa Quinney from Walk With Lisa and Lauren Beattie from 10 Psychology plan to host an Instagram Live to discuss the big, important topic of loneliness in motherhood. I was so excited to tune in and simply listen, but when technical difficulties proved to be an obstacle, I jumped at the opportunity to use this podcast as a platform for the discussion. In this episode, we talk about how loneliness can catch you off guard, how it can present in different contexts, and importantly, how it can be addressed. This was such a beautiful conversation, and I am so grateful to have been a part of it. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Let's begin. Can you start by telling us who you are and what you do? I'll start. Um, so, yeah, my name is Lisa Quinney. I live in Geelong and I'm a perinatal counsellor. I have two children. I had postnatal depression with my second child. And now I support parents throughout their parental journey, either, you know, really new parents or seasoned parents. And um, I also facilitate maternal journal groups. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm Lauren Beatty. I have been a psychologist for 15 years or so now, and I've also been a mum for eight years. I'm a mum of two boys, eight and three, and it was really my own experience of becoming a mum that set me into a different direction in my sort of psychology career. I started in schools. And then it was really this kind of awakening when I became a parent and went, whoa, what is this? And why didn't anyone talk about all of these things? And I really took on a new understanding. So I then wanted to work more in the perinatal space and with parents. So I now provide support in that area to mums and parents sort of through the early years and, you know, like Lisa, to sort of, you know, seasoned parents as well. And I run maternal journal groups and circle of security parenting as well. So can you explain what brought you together and what inspired you to discuss loneliness in motherhood? That was you, Lisa. <laughs> well, um, I, I think how it happened was, I decided that I didn't want to feel ashamed of feeling lonely as a mum anymore and started looking into, into what was out there, you know, into any, any information that I could find. Um, and, and I spoke with my friends about it and I just openly said, look, I've been feeling lonely often and it started when I became a mum. And then I wrote a blog article about it and I think I shared it on Instagram and Lauren and I had uh, been connecting through Insta because we both love maternal journal and then we said look we should or I think I wrote to Lauren and I said hey let's connect I love what you do and we did and then we got talking and we found out that we are very passionate about that topic and are both very fascinated by loneliness and motherhood and thought we should share our thoughts on that you know uh, both of us running maternal journal groups there's something about wanting to create community and wanting to assist with that loneliness like I think there's a there's a link there isn't there you know in in what's brought us to our work I guess the reason I, I kind of wanted to get myself involved is because I saw that you were doing it that the discussion and I thought I really want to hear that and I think it's so necessary I think like you said Lisa about removing that shame 
and the kind of the stigma around saying, well, actually, yes, this nurturing role can actually be very lonely and isolating. I think it's so important and for other women and mothers to hear that and and know that they're not alone in feeling alone. (laughs) And from what I've observed and my experience, I think it starts right from the beginning, even in the hospital room where you've kind of given birth and laboring and you're the only one who can really go through that, that experience. And you cross over into some other realm, you know, there's that phrase about a woman traveling to the stars to collect her baby. And it can be that transformational and that kind of mystical experience, but it can also be really brutal (laughs) introduction to motherhood. And you're, you're the only one who can do it physically and emotionally and spiritually And then, so I recently supported my oldest friend through the birth of her first child. And that was my fifth experience, I think, of birth, aside from my own three. I I witnessed my sister's birth of her second child and then the birth of my friend's daughter. And being on the outside this time, I was able to kind of really clearly see how we were, the others in the room, we were separated from her and she was separated from us. And we could try to support her and hold her hand literally and figuratively, but she was in it alone. And then the calm down from birthing her child and just being in shock at what had just happened and what had happened very quickly as well. There was that kind of chasm between us because, I mean, I've known her for 25 years and I was there with her, but I was an observer and a a witness. Just listening to you then, Bronwyn, just take me back to my own experience of, you know, being in the hospital room that first time. I just remember going into shock, like my body, I just had the shakes because I was like, what has just happened? And, but I also think it's, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's something so individual about the experience of it no one else you know in that room is going through it in that way but you and that's huge and I think that's why talking about it with other mums and sharing it and then going oh yes you know like that's why this is so important Mm. isn't it yeah and I'm also thinking that it starts even earlier like this feeling you know it can start earlier this feeling of loneliness in trying to conceive even and that not being a straightforward path or pregnancy and not being the glowing pregnant one. You know, I had hyperemesis with both of my pregnancies and it was very lonely sitting in your bedroom just trying to survive. You know, these things, they can start, you know, any part of the process, can't it? But I also think it it is key at different stages when these feelings, you know, come up. Yeah. I agree. And I felt also (laughs) being put back into the hospital room, especially with my second one, because the births can be so different. And the the first one was because I was born in Germany and, you know, lived there for a really long portion of my life. So I was very adamant that I wanted to have my first child in Germany with, you know, hospitals and doctors and systems that were familiar to me and with my mom there. You know, I don't have the like super closest relationship with my mom, but I feel like when you become a mom, you need your mom. <laughs> like it's, 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 I don't know what it is. It's like this magical bond that it's just always there. And you just feel like I need my mom. And I, I knew that. So I wanted to be home 
for that experience. And then, you know, when I think back, I was so young and I had no idea, <laughs> no idea what was going on. But then with my second one here, it was actually, oh, so scary. A very, very dark um, time um, because they took her away. My, you know, she was unwell. So I was alone and my husband had to look after, you know, the older child. So he was not there. And obviously my family is not here in Australia. So I was literally alone in that hospital bed. And then I remember there was an, uh, another mum in the room, but there was the curtain. So I never really saw her, but I heard her whole family was there and they were all really happy. And, you know, the baby was there and, oh my God, I've never felt more alone and more lonely as well like I was literally alone physically alone because there was no one there to look after me and I was just crying sobbing all night I was absolutely exhausted I had no I had just no one to you know be there and hold my hand and I even remember so I had been laboring for two nights so I you know I was I was wrecked and then I remember a nurse coming in and I was just crying and she was like doing my pulse or something and I said that I, I couldn't think straight and I couldn't talk you know I just I was crying and I felt like I needed to explain myself so I said they took my baby away and she said oh I can call social services for you so I'm like oh. and I didn't even get it then like I was so out of it and then later on I'm like oh she thought my child was removed from the department but she didn't understand she didn't even know you know, like she came in and she had no idea about my story and what happened and, you know, why my baby wasn't there. So that lack of empathy and compassion and the fact that she was not informed about my story, you know, like that, that was the loneliest I've ever felt because there was like this one person that came in after hours, me being left there alone without an explanation what happened and then I get that response. So that just like transported me even further in this like loneliness realm where I had no resonance, you know, like no one there that I could, like she had that opportunity to be caring and make it, to make it better, but it, it made everything worse. And I know she didn't intend that at all, but I've never felt lonelier, <laughs> I don't think. Oh, so understandable and you know you're already so vulnerable after you've just you know gone through labor and birth and having your baby and to then be separated from your baby that's huge too I remember the same with my first I hadn't ever even thought that they would be separate you know we'd be separated mm -hmm. and just to have people there that understand and get it and can have compassion for you can make the world of difference in those moments can't they yeah Absolutely. and yeah. I think that's what it that that's what I needed and that's what mothers need is to be seen and heard and understood like like I know everyone needs that but I think mothers really desperately need that because that's why we feel lonely with you know that matrescence that not just, you know, not just the birth. I, I don't want to minimize that, but, you know, the, the whole way through, like now my, you know, my first girl, she's 11. So that's 11 years ago. And I still, you know, feel lonely sometimes because of what we go through. 
as mothers and the fears and worries that we have. And I, I wish there was more acknowledgement in our culture, more understanding and more ways of us to connect in a truthful, meaningful way to be seen by other mums and them embracing that vulnerability and, and um, showing themselves as well. But I feel like because of the culture we live in, it's really hard to connect to people and to, for other mothers to let their guards down and be real. I think it ties back to the expectations of the idealised version of what a mother looks like. So this idea that our role is to care for others, to nurture others, and ultimately be martyrs and sacrifice all our wants and needs. So this idea that we can be lonely, it's almost like, well, it's not about you. You know, it's not about you anymore. Your role is to care for other people. And it's not just your role as a mother is to care for just your children, Obviously, it ties into patriarchy and gender roles and expectations, but it's like, well, we don't talk about the loneliness of mothers because it's irrelevant in our society, you know. Our role isn't to be cared for anymore. Our role is to care for. And so where does that leave us? Yeah, wow. So true in that sense of, well, to acknowledge that mums have needs and mums have feelings and oh, hold on, you can't do that because where does that leave everybody else, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and I think recognising how you feel, first of all, as a mum and then thinking, well, if I feel that way, what do I need? Like, is so important, isn't it? And, you know, I just think of my own journey, that's been such a huge learning curve for me in being able to think, okay, I have my baby in front of me, but also what do I need? And these feelings that are coming up, they're telling me something, like it's important information about what we need. And then how can I sort of get what I need here? Do I need to ask for something? Do I need to tell someone something? Do I need to do something differently? And, you know, I think if we think about loneliness as this feeling of wanting more social connection than what you have, that it's also about that quality of social connection too, isn't it? You know, yes, a nurse can come and take your pulse, but that interaction doesn't give you much. Had she had compassion for the fact that you'd been separated from your baby and your baby was in the care nursery Mm. and having empathy for that, that's a very different social interaction, isn't it? It's that feeling understood and feeling like you're with people that get it and get you you know, think about mother's groups as well. And they can either be, you know, people have varying experiences of that. But if you're lucky, you can be met with some understanding of what it's like to be at that stage. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, there has been a study by the BBC in 2019. And I wanted to share that because I thought it was really interesting what the participants said, what loneliness means to them. And most common answers were feeling disconnected to the world feeling left out, sadness, and not feeling understood. And isn't that just what motherhood is at the start? Like, it's so shocking to say it out loud. But, you know, feeling disconnected to the world, I think the disconnection is exactly what Bronwyn has touched on just before. You know, the myth of the perfect mother, you have to uphold this facade and you you don't have to have any needs. But the truth is, it doesn't look anything like that. Your internal world doesn't look anything like that. So that gap between, you know, what you're supposed to look like and what you're supposed to act and be and feel like and what you're actually going through, that is a huge difference. 
and no one talks about it. So you don't talk about it. I know I didn't talk about it. I thought, well, I must be inadequate. There must be something wrong with me. I must be doing something wrong. And I can't let anyone know because then I am failing at this. And, you know, if people think that I'm failing at this and I'm not cut out to be a mum, maybe they're going to take my babies away. And I know that was the postnatal depression speaking because it is such a common fear, you know, that my, my children are being taken away if I show that I'm struggling. And it's not, that's not true. If anyone's here and listening to this right now and thinks, oh, I had the same thought, it's not true. You're allowed to struggle and you can get help and support. I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I did reach out to a lot of places where I thought I could get help and I did fall through the gaps there. And yeah, I just wish I had been more persistent and more assertive in asking for help back then. But yeah, feeling disconnected to the world, feeling left out. Often we can't leave the house or go to the mother's groups because of nap times because of feeding schedules. Um, I know I didn't feel comfortable breastfeeding in public. Um, so that made it really difficult for me to go out. Felt really vulnerable, you know, being exposed like that. And I was always scared someone would say something mean to me, um, you know, and and that has happened. You know, you see these things coming on Facebook. But so, yeah, and then I was sad a lot and and I didn't feel understood at all. I didn't have anywhere to go that made me feel like what I was going through was understandable or normal. I think it's interesting the distinction between feeling lonely and being alone. I think people often equate that. I think it's the same thing and it's not because like, can you read out that second description you had, Lisa, of so it's feeling disconnected from the world and then there was feeling another, left out. Feeling left out. So it made me think of Christmas just past where you know, I've got three very young children. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. And so I've been pregnant or breastfeeding <laughs> for the last five years. And with the feeding journeys, it's, I remember sitting inside at Christmas time with my baby while everyone was outside. And you can, you know, hear the voices floating in from, from the other room or from outside and the laughter and you're kind of just sitting there feeding your baby not not necessarily alone there's people right around the corner you've got your baby with you but that loneliness can be quite overwhelming because you're just kind of stuck and like I'm finding it difficult to to say it now yeah out loud because I I have this instinct to be like oh but I love feeding my daughter and (laughs) you know I I it wasn't a terrible time but like it still doesn't diminish that feeling of loneliness and as a mum you're basically never alone right like you can't even go to the toilet alone (laughs) but it doesn't mean you don't feel lonely it's so true and I can think of so many times too when you yeah you took me back to different you know events and I remember thinking I'm just it was really important to me to try and feed with people around like I was like you know that's what I had in my head but when you have a little, little baby and you need all the different pillows and all the things to get you cut like it's not just easy to like do yeah. it wherever you are and then as they get older they're like looking around everywhere distracted by all the laughter and the noise and even if I try and talk that was not okay yeah so <laughs> I'd have to go and take myself off into a room which you do you feel quite lonely in that experience you know I'm quite social I want to be out and chatting and having these conversations and it brings you into a different space and 
makes me think too about even just being with, you know, if you're in a relationship with your partner, and especially if you've got older kids, if this is your, you know, second or third, there's even more experiences where you're kind of separate and they're taking the other kids or child and you're with the baby. And even that in your partner relationship can alter those feelings. Like you're not alone, but you can feel lonely in it because, you know, there's, there can be such little times to connect with each other and even just have a conversation and talk to each other. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. I remember every time I could catch up with people, you know, the constant interruption, like it drove me nuts. Like I couldn't have a meaningful conversation you know, or, or even a cohesive conversation because there was always something like someone needed a snack or a nappy change or needed to push on the swing. I found it so frustrating. I found it so frustrating. And I also felt like it was not okay to be frustrated because that's just what motherhood is and you just have to suck it up and you're not allowed to complain about that. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, oh, it's a kid-friendly event. Like, oh, you can bring your children with you. And you're like, that's great. But I want to sit down and talk to you and <laughs> actually hear what you're saying and not have to be like, oh, is he injuring himself or what's he flinging himself? Off now and and I I did want to return to what you said Lauren about that kind of that loneliness that can exist between parents because that really resonated and absolutely and I guess what came to mind for me was when you have subsequent children I was warned that there can be a shift in how your eldest baby for example relates to you and they transition or move to this secondary carer and that was really with my first that was really heartbreaking even though I was warned it was always mummy that he needed and then suddenly he didn't want anything to do with me he wanted his dad and you know I say oh he came back to me and when I said that to people they've kind of been a bit confused because like he never went away but that emotional journey that all three of you as the parents and the child go on there was a transition it was really hard and I'm going through it with my two-year-old now that we've got third baby like the other day he hurt himself and I was right there and I said oh come here you know I wasn't holding the baby or anything I'm like come to mommy and he walked right past me and went to his dad and I'm so beyond grateful that my children have a dad who they feel comfortable with and safe with and they run to the door when he gets home from work and I'm so grateful and I feel like I'm so lucky that my children have that but I'm like mommy's right here (laughs) you know and so that can feel really lonely too because to try to explain it like my husband's brilliant he he recognizes when I'm hurt by it you know because I'm like, but we were like best buddies, you know, and now he doesn't want me. And what's tricky is Hugo, my second, he can't sleep with his dad. So he'll only sleep with me, but he's devastated and wants his dad. So I'm like, you don't fall asleep next to him, no. (laughs) But he's like, where's daddy? So anyway, but that brought that to mind for me. And then also, I guess, at the risk of oversharing My husband and I only got married at the end of 2022 and the first year of our marriage has been the hardest year of our relationship. And, you know, there's a lot of things going on. We had a third baby and, but yeah, that loneliness in the relationship when you like, the reason these children exist is because you fell in love and you created them. And, and then you're like, like, you know, that phrase, two ship passing in the night. Yeah. And I think as well, it's that we're parenting in a different way in the sense of there's probably, you know, possibly less supports for us around. And it may not always be possible to have a grandparent or someone to come and kind of help and 
it's hard to give the couple time. That gets pushed further down the line because when our kids need us, then, then there's work, then there's other demands. And that can kind of just really make its way further and further. But at, at the same time, those feelings of loneliness are still there, aren't they? Yeah. And again, it comes back to like, this is really important information in the sense of it's a very common feeling. It's part of the many feelings we can feel as being human. But when we're feeling it, it can be helpful to think, well, what is it telling us? And what do we need from that? You know, and when we're feeling that pull in our relationship, it's like, okay, you know, can we regroup and can we somehow have a 10 minute coffee together somewhere, you know, in the week or, you know, however it allows. But it's about kind of normalizing this and also about thinking, well, how then do we reach out? And what had popped into my head listening to you then, how incredibly awkward that first date after a baby is. Like, can we just really yes. put it, say that? Because, yeah. um, you know, I remember, um, you know, we finally managed our kids to be looked after and then, yeah, we're going out for dinner and what did I even wear? Do I do I put makeup on? Just like, I mean, I see him every day. Do I do, I do that? And then you, you know, and then you sit across from each other and you just end up talking about the kids and no, that's <laughs> actually not what you to talk about. And you're like, who am I? Who are you? Who are we now? And I don't know what is going on. And it's awkward as. Listening to you talk about that yeah. makes me think about as well, how we don't acknowledge matrescence, you know, matrescence is starting to, is, you know, much yeah. more widely acknowledged now, but also is there a patrescence? <laughs> there and is, yes. And there's this sense of you both changed, aren't you? And you're both trying to work out what this new space is mm. at, at all different stages. Like even as your kids get older, you, your roles as parents shift and change. And, you know, yeah, it, it's it's not a straightforward, we're just the same people that we were before we had, you know, had this baby. Yeah, I wanted to also acknowledge that it's incredibly scary depending on your attachment style when you are in that space. Um, because if you have an insecure attachment and then you all of a sudden you feel so lonely in your relationship and you, you don't even know how to connect with your partner anymore and you don't know who you are anymore, that is so unsettling. So I just wanted to say that. So, you know, because I know that there might be lots of mums out there listening to this, feeling that. And I just want to want to really make sure that I mention that because I've been there and I understand. And yeah, just to find that security within, to trust that it's going to be okay and we're getting through this. To trust I, yourself and to trust your partner. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. There's nothing like having your baby and babies to really bring up your own attachment histories and within your partnership as well and to really make you realise, you know, what's challenging and the, what you struggle with mm-hmm. and how you reach out yeah. and what it, what it means to feel safe in a relationship and secure, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that can be a lot of the work we do as we move through motherhood, isn't it? And as oh, we are so human. Much. So, so much. much. Yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. difficult in that context, I think, to not feel at odds with your partner or even in competition. Like, who's more tired? Or yeah. Whose yeah. time is more valuable or demanded upon? 
And it's really uncomfortable to even say out loud, but that's what comes up when you, when you said, is there a patrescence? I was like, I've never even thought of that, but of course there is. But then I'm automatically like, but, but as a mother, <laughs> you know, like, like, of course there is. However, like, <laughs> and I would have the same of, reaction. That's so funny. You know, like I, I'm just like I'm like, yeah, we can. I don't know if he feels it, but I can feel really at odds with him, and almost want to be like, yeah, but I'm more exhausted, and yeah, oh, you yeah. know, they want me all the time, even when they're yelling for you, like they're hanging off me, and it's multiple different lifetimes in in one experience, you know, like so when you go from being just a couple to having your first child it's like well that was a lifetime ago and then you add more children to the the mix Mm. and you're like I don't even remember what we were like when it was just us and or I do remember and we were so obsessed with each other and now it's like like you said Lisa that that first date or whatever it's like what do we even talk about now and like we talked for I remember like we talked for hours about everything and I'm like like you said always ultimately end up talking about the kids and like it's not bad like we're obsessed with them too but it's like well who are we in this and yeah it's really hard it is it is it is so hard it is and it and it also makes me think about friendships and how they change and you know maybe you had friends from work or you know other friends who have kids or don't have kids and even bringing a baby into the mix in a friendship can really change things too. Yeah. And so you're at this time, you're vulnerable, your boobs are hurting, <laughs> your body's aching, and at the same time everything's shifting. Like yes. all the relationships that you previously felt you'd cling to are suddenly shifting and moving. Mm. And that's so disorienting, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think love... I'm trying to think of who it is now. I think it's Sarah Manguso's article and she talks about becoming a mother as the grand shattering because suddenly everything's in pieces and you don't know who you are anymore and you're sitting in that, mm. you know, and, and putting that back together or creating something new, it takes time and it happens. It happens. I want to give hope to that it it yeah. happens and you do start to come back together again. But it, in that moment in sitting in it, it, it's, it can be so painful and so hard. Yeah. And in addition to to friendships changing, there's also that work life. I know a lot of women who had a great career and then had to stop working and the relationships at work are changing or disappearing and part of who they used to be was work and the passion they had for their work. And then that's completely gone as well. And that's scary. Um, there's so much changing. There's so many moving parts that you have to get your head around. And then basically all your attention has to be on that baby and wow you know of course that feels lonely because friends who don't have kids might not understand what you're going through and then that that feels lonely and then people at work they're obviously at work so not at home with a baby so they don't understand what you're going through and then you know when you were saying when just before there's this competition um you know I've had that with my husband who's got the more miserable life and what it is really about is can you not see how hard this is please tell me you see that please tell me you hear me please tell me you understand and then when you are in this partnership they're both often so drained and so tired and so down that they can't find that compassion for the other person and that's when it's getting even lonelier but you know when we do build ourselves back up because that 
does happen and we get there, that's also when we find, you know, compassion for ourselves, what we are going through, and then we can give that to our partner as well. You know, only because I'm, I say to you, yeah, I know that's so hard. I can see how much you're struggling. I can see how much you're trying to keep it together right now. And it's so annoying. It's so draining. (laughs) And I can see it. And you have so much on your plate right now. That doesn't take anything away from me because I'm in it as well. But I have that capacity then to extend that to you. And you get there, you know, you work towards that. But it can be very lonely to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that shift in identity when you talked about the work persona and how that changes, that's exactly where I'm at now. I've been teaching at the tertiary level for, I, I guess, eight years, but I've, you know, been on maternity leave throughout that and I'm not interested anymore. And I don't know what I want to do. And I feel like I'm back in my twenties when I was just like, oh, you know, when I had plenty of time to figure it out, but now I've got three dependent children and I need to figure it out fast, but I have no idea. Like it feels like there's no options and then too many And like I think both of you said, motherhood triggered this interest in working in the perinatal space. That's happened for me as well. And so I have started my training to become a counsellor, but then I'm like, well, that's more study. Like I've been studying since I was 19, you know, (laughs) so I'm like, is it the right thing? And so there's just like all, like you said, all these moving parts of these, these shifts that are hard to keep up with and then hard to explain as well. Yeah. Even just having this conversation, like it's so, you're like, oh, you feel it too. Oh, it's not just Mm. me. Like you were talking about Lisa reading Brene Brown's, you know, that sense of like in that vulnerability and in that sharing, there's that feeling of connection and it's not just me. This is other people feel this too. And just how, how important that can be. Yeah. And that's why maternal journal is so amazing. I think also, you know, when I just was speaking about that, we will put the pieces back together and we will come back to who we are that journaling is is so helpful in that you know taking time out to really connect to yourself and really listening to what am I feeling right now and what am I experiencing right now and really giving that space giving yourself space because that is so difficult to carve that time and space out for you as a mother when all these things are happening that we've just spoke before like all this is happening at the same time every second of every day so like that is so much and then we have to be a real rebel right like we have to be like no this is my time now like I'm taking five minutes just for myself and and then for that not to feel selfish as well my conversations that I've had with counselors and psychologists working on the podcast every single one of you have said (laughs) these feelings are trying to tell you something about your unmet needs and so what are those unmet needs and how can you meet them and I have found it really hard that you know my anxiety and my anger and everything is definitely telling me I've got many unmet needs but then I'm like well I come against this like it's like a real battle or like this brick wall I'm like I don't even know where to begin to get those needs met and I feel really guilty and I feel like I can't so I'll just keep going the way I'm going and I find that really hard to navigate that space. It's so common, I think, because you're tired, you're experiencing all these other things, you're busy, you've got kids at you, you've walked into something that's new, 
you're starting to have these feelings, these intense feelings. A lot of mums in maternal journal talk about how intense the feelings can be in motherhood. And suddenly you're like, oh, like, what do I do with this? And I've never had to communicate these needs or I've never to be so clear, as you say, Lisa, such a rebel in trying to claim five minutes to myself that you're like, where do I even start? Or what do I even say to get that? Like often people say to me, how do I even make time for myself? You know, like just even that. I mean, what does that say about mother, as you say, that motherhood and the perfect mother, you know, myth that we, that we have that to even try and think about how do we get this time for ourselves feels so big. It feels so hard. And it's, it's a really common experience, I think. Yeah. And then if you do make for yourself, what do you even do? Like I see yes. all these like, you know, like yes. these funny videos or so on yes. social media where like you're a mom and suddenly you've got an hour to yourself and they're just st- walking <laughs> like, around the house. You know, like I don't even I don't even know, you know what to do. And they're funny because they're true. Like these memes, you know, like it's just okay, so who am I? What do I need? What do I want to do? Do I like do I have a bath now? Or <laughs> I just I don't know what to do. Do I read a book for like an hour? You know, and I think when you don't know what you actually want to do with your time, you I think it's very easy to just not ask for it because why do I need time for myself if I don't even know what to do then? And that's that shows me, okay, so you are in a space where you have real trouble to connecting to yourself right now because you, you don't even know what you need. And that's so tough. And so many mums are in that. And then there's that um what Ron just touched on before the you know feeling selfish as well thinking that taking time out for myself is is not okay because my most important focus has to be the kids in your work what have mothers shared with you about their experiences of loneliness I think the biggest thing is everyone has talked about it every mother has felt lonely and it's very common experience and it's something that often comes up when we're journaling and in the work with mothers, it's not always something that's easy to talk about. And I think there's can be some hesitancy, like, do I admit to feeling lonely? You know, we talked about that, that it can feel like there's a stigma or a shame attached to it. It's not sexy. Like it's not sort of a cool thing to kind of say. And what might people think of me if I feel lonely? You know, that might put me on the outer or I might be unusual or, you know, there's a, we can have a lot of worries about that. I did put it out on Instagram and ask people were the particular stages where you felt especially lonely during motherhood. And, you know, there was varied responses. The newborn stage was a big one that people, and we talked about this earlier, you know, that it's such a a shock and such a shift. And especially at different parts, like, you know, somebody said, I didn't want constant visitors, but I didn't want to feel so alone either. And I thought, yeah, I could so relate to that. You know, you sort of, it's that feeling of like, I want people around, but I don't want to have to be making cups of tea for you and worry that my house is clean. Like that doesn't feel supportive and doesn't help me in my social connection. I want someone to come and sit in the mess and be like, how are you? And talk on that kind of level. And others, people said, you know, when their partner went back to work, when you suddenly have that, you know, that first time when you've had your first baby and or even your second or third and, and you know, your partner may be spending a lot of time outside of the home or, you know, in an office and you suddenly think, oh, what do I do now with my days? And there can be so much time 
spent in quiet. And when you've got a newborn, you know, as your baby, as your kids get older, you can go to a park and there's potential that maybe there's some other parents there if you fancy talking to them, if you're that way inclined. Whereas when you have a newborn, there's less opportunities for that natural engagement with other parents as well. And other people said, you know, just the first year, those days of solo parenting. And other people said when friends return to work, like if you, you know, lucky to have friends that have babies at the same time, when they went to work, it was suddenly like, oh, what do I do now? And, you know, now I've got to find some other connections. And someone also mentioned that even they noticed that their friends increased their work days due to loneliness, that they were like, if I don't have friends around to connect with, you know, I'd rather go to work and have that connection than be at home and having that solo experience. And then, you know, something that we haven't mentioned too is loss, like having a miscarriage. That can be such a lonely experience too. And I think you know, that grief and loss around the parenthood journey can be an immensely lonely time. So I do just want to kind of mention that one too. I did also ask what might help, like what do people find helps when they're feeling lonely? And the responses were things like getting out of the house and going to baby-friendly spaces, mother's group, and that can be, you know, again, people can have different experiences, compassion and kindness and sharing with others which is what we've talked about, that sense of me too. Others said mother circles, women's circles. And, you know, we're really seeing, I think, more of those around now. And that's part of our Hope with Maternal Journal too in, in what we're offering. And people also said their mums, having their mums around, you know, and that that can be such an important experience too. And, and again, we can all have very differing experiences of what that is like in our relationship with our own mums that can also be, you know, an opportunity for support too. That just brought to mind, so I was at the hospital the other day with my friend who just had her baby and her mum was there. And when you're pregnant for the first time, people want to share their horror stories or their birth stories with you. And then after your baby's born, they want to share like, oh, well, this is how my feeding journey went or this is my experience with baby sleep and everything like that. And I was just thinking it's really difficult and kind of like frustrating to hear as a new mum, but also what it shows is like these women have this desperate need to connect over experience even decades after they've experienced it. And so they want to talk about, like I, I asked a question of my friend's mum because I could see she really wanted to talk about, so like my friend Amanda, her labour was so fast and then her mum's labour with Amanda, who was her first, was so fast as well and she really wanted to share that experience and it's like 34 years after the fact and and when you when you said mentioning about, you know, having your mum around, I was thinking, yeah, you, and you get to know your mum on a whole different level once you become a mother because then you have all these questions like what was it like for you and what was your pregnancy like? What was your labour like? And I was asking so many questions <laughs> throughout my pregnancies of my mum and that need for connection is always there, I think, and will always be there. It's interesting, yeah, because I feel like for a long time I've had a part of me that was the exact opposite. Like, I was just like, I don't want to be mumsy. I don't want to talk about all that stuff. Like, you know, I don't want to dissolve my personality in motherhood. I am my own person. I don't want to talk about babies and kids and parenting and feeding all day long. That's not me. And, you know, there was just this, like, really strong feeling uh, against all that. I don't know what it was exactly. Maybe a little bit of fear of you know dissolving into motherhood mm. because I've seen it happen in my friend circle that they disappear yeah like their personality disappears and I don't hear anything 
about them anymore. I only hear about the babies and the kids and what they are doing and how they are sleeping, you know, all that information. And I listen to it, but part of me does, you know, roll their eyes and like goes, oh my God. (laughs) So there is that as well, you know, and I think it's all true and it's all allowed to be there. And, you know, obviously now I'm very different, you know, I am now a counselor for the perinatal period. So now I I want to hear about it and I want to be part of their journey and I want to support them in that. But yeah, for a really long time, I was just like trying to like push it all away. Um, And that also made it really hard for me to connect with mothers, you know, at play group or at mother groups because yeah, that's all they wanted to talk about. And I just like, can't we talk about something else? Mm -hmm. What that makes me think of is there is that kind of undervaluing of the work of a mother and so that's a narrative that we're working against as well, is that like, well, actually what we do on the day-to-day basis isn't important. So why should we talk about it? And it's so boring. We shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> but what you were saying there brought up some really strong feelings because like when you said like they they disappeared and they dissolved and you or you didn't want your, your identity to dissolve, I'm like, that's exactly what's happened <laughs> for me. And, and I was thinking like, yeah, I had to turn into it. I had to because it was like I, not to be overdramatic, but it was like sinking down. Like I don't feel like I'm, well, no. See, again, trying to justify it. Sometimes I do feel like I'm drowning, but it was like sinking down into this ocean and the light of who I used to be is, is above me. And I can't get back to it. And so I have to kind of turn into the darkness and be like, okay, what's on the other side of this? Because I I don't know how to get back there. And I feel like I can't. I feel like it's impossible. So like, who can I be now? And that's what I feel like I'm trying to like work through. And I, I, don't, I don't know. So I feel like, I feel like my Thank you so much for sharing that. Definitely, definitely dissolved. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's can I share that's what brought me to maternal journal that that exact experience in the sense of I'd had my second baby during COVID he was a 2020 baby and I'd very much planned for that second pregnancy to be much more supported I was going to have a doula you know postpartum doula and much more support coming in and all of that was thwarted by COVID And so there I had this older child who had started school and home learning with him and a six-month-old baby and my partner was working. And really that time was just about survival and trying to meet my very basic needs while trying to meet my children's needs. And I hit a point, I think, when my first was about that 12-month mark when I kind of was like, oh, it's 12 months. You You know how we have rules in our heads about that's the time when I'm meant to go back to work. It's no one's rule but your own. And it's this idea that you set in your mind of what's supposed to happen, those shoulds. That's what I had. So I thought, oh, I'll go back to work. And I did that for nine months. It was a nine-month contract, which is interesting. And as that contract was being renewed and I was going to you know, return to the role, there was a had a break. And I suddenly just kind of sat. So I'd gone from this, you know, another horrible pregnancy, COVID baby, home learning, you know, isolation, all of that, just sort of straight into, you know, a new job. And suddenly I just stopped and went, this isn't what I want. Like what I'm doing, I was working back in schools and I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And then it was like, so what do I want to do? Who am I? Like, I was like, I'm burnt out. I knew that. Like, I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And I really had this moment of like, now what? And sitting in that is really hard because you feel like you're meant to have the answers quickly. And, some, you know, there's, there's pressures on us. And 
I did just take some time and I look, I was in a privileged position to just kind of be able to take some time and not work for a bit. And I was like, what did I used to like? Like thinking back to when I was a kid or when I was a teenager, let's like try and go back there. Maybe I can find something there that might help me. Right. And I was like, I used to love writing. I loved writing. As a kid, I would write the longest stories, you know, like <laughs> and write and write the same as kind of an adolescent. And then suddenly I became this, you know, you're meant to get a career and that all, you lose some of that stuff. So I'm going to find a writing course. So I went to Neighbourhood House. I signed up for this writing class once a week for like two hours. And they were, most of them were all kind of older than me. The teacher was so supportive. You could write anything and they would tell you it was great. And I felt so held and supported and encouraged. And it was like it helped me find my voice again. I was like, oh, like there's something about writing that really helps you find that voice. And to be able to share that with other people and have that validated and them to be like, oh, yeah. And I mean, these were people, you know, a number of them had sort of teenage children, maybe not quite grandkids, but they were like, oh, I forgot that part of motherhood or, you know, like, cause all of my content that I wrote about was motherhood, right? Like that's, I was like, I need to write about mothering. This is where I'm at. And that was kind of the turning point for me. That was when I went, oh, this is so powerful. Surely can't I do this? I was working in the perinatal space. This is what I want to do. I want to do this with mothers because if we did this with mothers. This would be really helpful. And so I went searching and I found maternal journal. Because I was like, surely someone's doing this somewhere already. <laughs> and lo and behold, they were. But sitting in that space of not knowing is really hard. And no, I don't want to call it a crisis, but having a baby, this big profound change gives us an opportunity to come into a new space. And it's not comfortable for quite a while. It's really not. But it can give us opportunities eventually. You know, they talk about it being a metamorphosis that over time it can give us opportunities to get to know ourselves in new ways and dive into new new interests or dive back into interests. And I'm still on that journey, right? Like that doesn't just end either. No. Like, you know, we still have times when I think, what else do I like doing? What else interests me? What soothes me? What, you know, what makes me feel good? It doesn't end. But there is something about this motherhood journey, I think. But there's potential, potential for something something different. Yeah. yeah, I like that. And I used to draw when I was younger, like hours and hours. I would just listen to the radio and draw. So that's when, you know, when you were talking about that, it's like, yeah, okay, see, that's how. <laughs> because it, the, the nice thing is like Lauren and I are so passionate about maternal journal because we can see the value. Like uh, we are both mothers, but we're also both professionals in that space. And we can see the value that it has, you know, this concept of sitting in a group and journaling and, you know, being creative and exploring your experiences around motherhood. Like it's so beautiful. It's such a great idea. And I love that Lauren is such a lover of words and I am, you know, like very visual. So I love to draw and paint and like use different media to to create something visual. And I think now would be a really good time if Lauren would read one of our favourite poems about motherhood. Yeah. So there's something as well about coming to creative work in some way, whether it's a book, an article, you know, I've been to photography exhibitions, the way that artists capture the feelings of motherhood can be so helpful to read or see. It can really, it's such a reminder that we're not alone in it. So this is probably one of our favourite poems as well. 
I crossed the border into the Republic of Motherhood and founded a queendom, a wild queendom. I handed over my clothes and took its uniform, its dressing gown and undergarments, a cardigan, soft as a creature, smelling of birth and milk, and I lay down in motherhood's bed, the bed I had made but could not sleep in, for I was called at once to work in the factory of motherhood. The owl shift, the graveyard shift, feeding, cleaning, loving, feeding. I walked home, heart sore, through pale streets, the coins of motherhood singing in my pockets. Then I soaked my spindled bones in the chill municipal baths of motherhood, watching strands of my hair float from my fingers. Each day I pushed my pram through freeze and blossom down the wide boulevards of motherhood where poplars bent their branches to stroke my brow. I stood with my sisters in the queues of motherhood, the weigh-in clinic, the supermarket, waiting for motherhood's bureaucracies to open their doors. As required, I stood beneath the flag of motherhood and opened my mouth, although I did not know the anthem. When darkness fell, I pushed my pram home again and by lamplight wrote urgent letters of complaint to the Department of Motherhood, but received no response. So that's part of the poem from The Republic of Motherhood by Liz Berry, who has got some beautiful poems about motherhood that we can really resonate with the feeling of, I think. Yeah. Can I be so bold and read the end of it? It really resonates with me specifically because of the postnatal depression aspect. Mm. I grew sick and was healed in the hospitals of motherhood with their long closed isolation boards and narrow beds watched over by a fat moon. The doctors were slender and efficient and when I was well they gave me my pram again so I could stare at the daffodils in the parks of motherhood while winds pierced my breasts like silver arrows. In snowfall, I haunted motherhood cemeteries, the sweet fallen beneath my feet. Our Lady of the Birth Trauma, Our Lady of Psychosis. I wanted to speak to them, tell them I understood. But the words came out scrambled, so I knelt instead and prayed in the chapel of motherhood. Prayed for that whole wild fucking queendom, its sorrow, its unbearable skinless beauty, and all the souls that were in it. I prayed and prayed until my voice was a night cry, sunlight pixelating my face like a kaleidoscope. And I have drawn an image or like just a sketch of a woman screaming. It was just that night cry, that word. It's not a word. She made it up. And I think it's such a great word with so much meaning. And I wanted to capture that and also the kaleidoscope. So that's what I tried to into an image and I cut up the poem and I placed parts of the poem on top of the image so this end of the poem just has that deep meaning for me personally because of the you know getting unwell and how it all is so old like it, it, it paints this like really cold and lonely picture yeah I know it's heavy sorry no I love it <laughs> but, but um but it's also really healing to put it onto a page and to see it and that's you know, when we're doing it in a group, when we're working through a prompt, everyone comes at it from a different experience. Everyone has their own experience, but then there's often similarities within that as well. And there's so much richness in that, isn't there? And I mean, even just if we as an individual were to do the same maternal journal prompt on a different day, we'd often get a different response. So 
there's so much to glean from every exercise that you do. And it's even more powerful when you're sharing it with other people and feeling that sense of I'm not alone in this and we're all doing this together. And, you know, often that's the feedback I get from Maternal Journal that I just loved hearing everyone else's stories and feeling like, yeah, this is this is what it's like and I'm seeing that. Can I share that? Yes. It's from a book called I'll Show Myself Out, Essays on Midlife and Motherhood by Jesse Klein. It's from the very first chapter. The truth is that motherhood is a hero's journey. For most of us, it's not a journey outward to the most fantastic and farthest flung places, but inward, downward to the deepest parts of your strength, to the innermost buried core of everything you were made of but didn't know was there. And what I've learned now that I'm finally saying fuck it and taking a Xanax to just calm down and suck it up and write this book, there's a reason motherhood as a story is so infrequently told. It's because for so many people, our safest, sweetest, earliest memories are of nestling in our mother's lap, in her rocking warmth, hearing her sing as we get milk drunk and sleepy and burrow heavy-eyed into the crook of her soft arm. And if you knew that your mother's journey was intrinsically a hero's journey, if that was in any way an established narrative in our culture, you'd have to accept that this memory of womb-like safety, this foundation upon which so much of our identity is built, was often just an illusion. You'd have to realise that while you were blissed out on your mother's lap, one of those epic battles, the kind that envelops heroes as they fight their way out of a ring of fire, was raging just above your head. No one wants to believe that in the moments you felt the most peaceful, the woman cradling you so softly was shielding you from a sword that she herself was holding. Every mother you know is in this fight with herself. The sword that hangs over you is a sword of exhaustion, of frustration, of patience run dry, of her bladder practically exploding like a water balloon as she enters her third hour of sitting in a chair trying to get you asleep. It's a sword of missing a meal because there wasn't time to eat while she was packing a diaper bag with endless amount of stuff you needed to go to the park. The sword of sneaking one bite of string cheese while sitting on the edge of a damp sandbox. The sort of indignation at how little she feels like a human when she so often has to look and behave like an animal. And mostly, and this is the sparkiest truth, it is a sort of rage. The rage and shock of how completely she must annihilate herself to keep her child alive. Ultimately, the hope of impossible delight almost always wins out over the impossible torment. I know this because here I am, alive, writing this, and here you are, alive, reading it. Which means our mothers did what heroes do. They kept us all alive to tell our own tales one day. And what I can tell you is that so much of the heroism of motherhood is the ability to swallow the sword, to swallow the pain and frustration and keep everything inside. No one wants to think that their mother, that all-forgiving source of limitless, unconditional love, occasionally, in a fit of rage or boredom, met her limits. And yet, of course she did. No one wants to know that after your mother finally placed you in your crib, she walked out of the room and screamed into a blanket or cried in the bathroom or drank a bottle of wine or all of the above. No one wants to know that as she rocked you and sang you the 10th lullaby of the night, she was fantasizing about putting you down, walking out the door and never coming back. A mother's heroic journey is not about how she leaves, but about how she stays. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you. About oh. how she stays, yes. Yeah, that's deeply resonated with me. So thank you mm. so much. Um, it's Same. so amazing what it does, isn't it? Like art in that way, like text, 
books, poetry, images to portray these feelings and mm. and these very specific feelings that are nowhere else to be found. I think this is so, you know, so connected to the motherhood experience. It's so important that more of this is being created. I feel so connected right now to both of you and to the writer of that text that you were just sharing. Like yeah. amazing. So beautiful. Thank you. I don't know when the first time I read that, but it really like I got goosebumps almost because it was just like, no one I've never no one's ever said that. Or well, you know, yeah. maybe they have, but I've never heard it and I needed to hear it. But it gives voice to experiences that we so often don't give voice to. We don't often talk about these things. And so to see it written in that page, you're like, yeah. 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 That's what matrescence was for me, reading Lucy Jones's matrescence. I was like, yes. yes. Like so many times I was, you know, <laughs> turning like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that's what we talk about too in Maternal Journal is like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Like what podcasts are you listening to? What books are you reading? Have you found an article? Like what's what's resonated for you and can you share it? Because listening to that, like you read it out, it's so helpful. Mm. yeah it's so beautiful to connect through art like that because we haven't learned in our culture to be vulnerable with each other because we don't ever really feel safe and we don't ever really feel like we can trust strangers with our inner world and it can be very difficult to talk about that so using art as a form to show other people how you're feeling and to share that and connect through that is just absolutely magical. And it's always an invitation to share. We encourage it and, you know, stretch out of your comfort zone a bit and there's so much power in sharing. But also you might share what you've produced on the page. You might share a reflection. You still have that control over what what you do want to share and what you don't. And, you know, there's also the benefits of private journaling for ourselves and then sharing that publicly. But in order to feel safe, we also want you to know that you have agency there too and that you don't have to consider yourself creative, that we all have the capacity to be creative. You know, I would never have called myself creative or a writer or, you know, anything like that. And I also think it speaks to how we value creativity in our society and that it's seen as being something lower and, you know, it's not earning the bucks enough. And it's so helpful to come back to that and, and, you know, connect to that part of ourselves. So it's funny because I've always been creative. So Lisa, you say you're more kind of visual and drawing and painting and everything. And Lauren, you say you're more words and everything. I'm, I've been both my whole life I've loved painting I've I've loved drawing writing is where my heart is and so I'm sitting here listening to you saying that's what kind of where you turn to Lauren and I'm like yeah so I started a master's of creative writing while I was pregnant with my second and after he was born he was born a month early as well and so I kind of was like, oh, well, his due date is a week after my final assessments are due. So it's all going to be fine in this semester. It was my first semester and he had some health issues after he was born and I had to be in hospital with him while he was in the, or return to hospital with him when he was a special care nursery. And it was all very, a very, very scary time because they thought he had basically some syndromes that would mean he wouldn't make it beyond his first year. He's totally fine. He's totally fine. It was just like the really scary time. But I still had, because he came early, I still had assessments due. And so I was sitting in a hospital room 
doing skin to skin with my baby, with my laptop balanced on my knee, working on my assessments. And another hard thing for me to say, I guess, but I, I'm really proud of myself because I got high distinctions for those assessments. And people say, like, my mum was like, I don't know how you did it. And I'm like, because I needed to. That's what got me through. And I was like you, I was writing all my stories about motherhood, all of them, without fail. And listening to you both talk, I'm like, that's what I need to get back to. And the next semester is coming up because I'm not, I'm not finished yet. So like, maybe that will be my answer because that's how I got through that time is writing about it. And I really want to be like, not to brag, but to totally brag. I'm good at it. I'm good at the writing. Yes, Brad, like, please. Yeah. That's that's so, what we want. Yeah. So I'm like listening to him like maybe I like maybe the maternal journal thing is something that I could get involved in because I'm like this sounds like right up my alley. Yeah. I had a message from someone who's been following me for a while the other day and she said I just signed up for a creative writing course and she said thank you. She said you've been a big part of that journey. And I was like awesome. yes, like it's it's about getting back to you know or exploring and it doesn't have to be perfect it can be you don't have to be good at it it's great if you are that's so good and I want you to brag (laughs) brag away but I just it's also so important that we're doing something that lights us up and yes this is what living is about right like doing things that light us up and that are important to us and that we love yeah I was just going to say that I was just going to say as long as you enjoy it, you know, it gives you joy. You enjoy doing it. Do it. Just yeah. do it. And it, yeah, and that's it. Like my mum is an artist. So I have not drawn or painted for a really long time because I was always comparing my art to her art. But it's a very different style, right? Like it's completely different. But hers is so amazing and so perfect. You know, so I look at her artwork and I always think, wow, she's so talented. I could never, ever possibly create something like that, you know? So that's that's where I, as an adult, held myself back from producing more art or getting back into it. And now I just, I have completely let that go and I just enjoy it. I enjoy it. I know it's not perfect. I know my mum would look at it and probably think, well, but that's not, you know, like that's not how you do it. But I don't want that to hold me back. I just want to enjoy it. And it's just so grounding. And I love looking at it. I like flicking through my sketchbook and, and looking at what I did five months ago and you know and that's also really lovely isn't it like having a journal writing a poem or writing a piece like I I don't write so maternal journal is awesome because sometimes it like pushes me out of my comfort zone and makes me do something that I would usually not do and I'm always so surprised of what comes out of it and then revisiting it later it's really nice lovely I've been seeing your post I was I've been thinking what an incredible artifact to be creating for yourself because 10 years down the track, you'll be able to, you might not remember, but be you'll be able to look back and be like, oh yeah, that's right. I was feeling that way or that did happen. And Lauren, what you said about you don't have to be creative. My mom, she's very scientifically minded. And so she's always been like, oh, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. And I'm like, that's not, it's not something you're born with necessarily. Like it's not like a finite resource or something. There's plenty of seats at the table. And also as mothers, I feel like we're the ultimate creators, whether you, you know, carry and birth your child or you adopt or you have a surrogate or whatever, you're creating a family. And I feel like that's the ultimate act of creation. And 
But of course, you have creativity within you. It doesn't have to look the same for everyone. We're not all going to be professional artists or authors or, or whatever, but we all have the ability to create something from nothing. And I think that's an yeah. incredible thing to be able to do. And there's something about the process too that often we discover something about ourselves that even it's not just the content that we produce, but it's how we approach the, the process. You know, I've been at Maternal Journal about to sort of start to write something, the pen didn't work. And I'd go, oh, you know, get another pen, turn the page, got to start a fresh page. And then I went, oh, come on. Like, no, like, it's okay. It can be messy. <laughs> it might not be how you want it to be. And it's such a reminder that in life, oh, I need to carry that message with me, you know. And other mums have said the same. Or I have a mum in the group that started. She said, it started from the back. She said, I've started my whole journal from the back. But she said, I'm going with it and, it, you know, it's something that I need to take this away and, and lean into that. So there's also some really interesting discoveries just in how we approach the tasks as well. Probably be a good point to ask, what is Maternal Journal <laughs> and what attracted you to Maternal Journal? Yeah, so Maternal Journal is a global community movement. It started in the UK with a midwife mother artist called Laura Godfrey Isaacs. I think she performs sort of the equivalent to like a maternal child health nurse, we would call that in Australia. And she would do her visits to parents and was sort of struck by this sense of, you know, mothers have so many feelings, but it can be really hard to find an outlet. And being an artist and, you know, working in the mother space, Laura thought that journaling would be a really good way for mums to connect to themselves and put their feelings down on paper in some way, but also to meet together in a group and help form that community. So Laura started Maternal Journal and, you know, was fortunate to have a founding group of mothers that came together and sort of was a pilot and it grew from there and has spread across the world. And it is really about well-being and creativity in motherhood. And it is about journaling as a way to connect to yourself and to connect to others. And then you can do it in a group. And Maternal Journal have lots of guides that take you through step-by-step step of different creative journaling prompts around the motherhood journey. So it could be, you know, the joys, the challenges, the changes, all around sort of, you know, pregnancy, birth and motherhood. It could be poetry. It could be writing, mark-making, collage. It can be painting. There's lots of different ways that you can do that creative journaling. But it's really about the power of coming together in a group and focusing on the mum. You know, it's different to a mother's group where the focus is on the baby. The focus is on the mum and how are you as a mother and how can we use creativity to promote your positive mental health and well-being. I was also speaking to my friends about loneliness before and one friend recently became a, a mum, first-time mum, and she's also living away from where she grew up. And, you know, she's going through all this matrescence now and she's really good at sharing vulnerably what she's experiencing and and she was saying like I feel betrayed I actually feel angry because no one told me about this like no one told me how hard this would be and all these feelings and and I felt a little bit exposed in that moment as well thinking oops <laughs> I don't know should I have 
should I have said something or would it would that have been mean to like you know like that's that's really difficult to know how to navigate that it's great now because we can talk about it and I can be there for her and I've been talking about maternal journal this whole time and she you know she's like oh yeah this is like an arts and crafts group basically and thought it was lovely but now only recently she's you know sent me a message it's like oh my god I finally get it you know, finally get what this is about. It's about connecting. It's about connecting to yourself. It's about connecting with other mums. It's being vulnerable and authentic. And basically that feeling of betrayal would go away and you have that honest sharing in that beautiful women's circle. That would just help you feel more connected and feel seen and heard with what you're going through. People also say, it's so nice to have this sort of protected space for me. And, you know, depending on our groups too, babies may or may not be able to come. Like it depends on on our venues, if we're running it in person or, you know, how we set them up. Some people come with their babies, but some say, I just love having this time for myself, this sort of protected time where I'm not being interrupted and I can just put aside that hour or two hours and it's just for me. And that's so special and so kind of sacred, I think. Yeah. You know, Laura and I have thought maybe we just share one of our favorite exercises that we did. So this one's called Fluid Dreams that I really like because it's using watercolors and you just use a lot of blue and green and, you know, just really get into like a flow state of your mind, but also like, you know, on the paper. And it's about exploring what you want to do when you don't have the kids home anymore, like really thinking about the future and who you are as a person, you know, what you what you would use your time for when, you know, they have left the nest basically. And um, I thought that was really interesting. You know, some questions to consider to help with this was, what are your wildest dreams separate from your family life? Imagine you have unlimited, trustworthy and loving childcare, for example. Or what do you imagine it looks like when your children are grown and you are left with an empty nest? Or who were you before you became a mother or a parent? Do the desire of pre-motherhood still have a place in your heart? I knew that would, would resonate with you, Bron. I just, I looked at your, like when I was reading, I was like, I knew. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Please> stop. Um, <laughs> and um, what feeds your soul and empowers you? What do you yearn for? And so I, I really like that. And I just want to share, this is like a beautiful page in my journal that I created where I just, you know, use uh, different paints and, and pens and cut out a few things. <laughs> yeah, just put them on there and just wrote a wonderful garden oasis in my backyard, thriving plants and trees everywhere, time to meditate and practice yoga, traveling, um, real community and friendship, lots of sunshine and relaxation time in my hammock, music and singing, a slow life and cups of tea and good books, being creative and learning new things. Yeah, and just taking that time, you know, really to be creative, to put all that paint on the page and just, you know, breathe and lean into that and explore that in depth. It's beautiful. That prompt, like by doing it, it kind of gave you a glimpse of what it will be like like what you were saying you wanted to do it kind of allowed mm. you to enter into that a little bit that was a lot that was too much for me <laughs> to think about all at once <laughs> but thank you for sharing and you know in a group we would do that slowly step yeah. by step slow it right down 
and you sort of have more time to think about it. And that's what I love too, because you don't have to kind of, you're not faced with a blank page and like, oh, what do I write or do? We guide you through it. Like we've got you. Okay. You're supported through it, through the process. So I think that's important, isn't it? My favorite is a guide called Being a Mother is Revolutionary. And I think a big part of motherhood for me has been around really noticing those shoulds and all the expectations and pressures. Like I actually think that stuff is harder than the baby, like the caregiving part. It's all the expectations and ideas that I would have on myself from all the external world and talking about that perfect mother myth. And this prompt helps you to reflect on that. First of all, it's just reflecting on your dreams and hopes and fears of becoming a parent and writing those down. And I think before we become a mom or when we're pregnant, we can have this sense of like the fantasy mum and what we think a mum, like what we'll be like and what it will feel like. And I think we even can still hold that fantasy mum, you know, just even now as our kids get older. And I think it's nice to recognise that. And then this prompt asks you to reflect on the small revolutionary acts of your mother, grandmother or other mothers that inspire you. And our mothers are not always blood related. And I always think of my, my mum comes from a big family and I have many aunties and uncles. And I will always remember the day that my auntie, who is the youngest of nine, sat at the head of the table. And my uncle, who is the eldest male, the siblings came up to her with his plate and he said move that's my spot and she said no and he goes yeah that's where I sit it's the head of the like it's opposite dad sits on that on that end and I said like very traditional you know in that sense and she said no and he had to walk away and he went and sat on the kids table and I was like yeah you go like that was so awesome to me and it's just always been something that I've remembered in that sense of No, you have every right to be at the table. Yeah, take up space, be at that table. And the stories when we do this task in a group is phenomenal. The stories that others have about these experiences that kind of, you know, we we carry with us. And then the last part is to bring your thoughts together in a poem or dedication for you and your child. And often that's a letter to your child. And, you know, having two boys, I'm always really writing about, you know, what that can mean in the future and that sense of I want you to feel and have feelings and be vulnerable and connect to yourself. Like I want you to be aware of your body and your feelings and your needs because that's just the first step. And then we can, you know, bring that in thinking about others and that kindness and compassion and community into our world. And it really helps us to think about what kind of world we want to live in and as mums, like it is a political act. Like we are changing, we are changing futures and, and generations. I really I do believe that. And when we think about valuing what we're doing, like it's huge. We have power in that. And I think that's pretty cool. We can create change. There's something I think about as well. And now that I have, I've got two boys and a girl thinking about who they're going to be and how they're going to participate in the world. And absolutely, like you said, the boys being able to express their emotions and giving them the language to do that and the space to do that. And then also, like, I've found I've always, I guess maybe since he was one or two, I've I've said affirmations to my eldest son and then I've started saying them to my, my middle child. And then, but I found them coming to be different for my daughter. And so 
the other day I was just saying what you have to say is valuable you can take up space you know like just what yes, it's the seat at the table <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah but I also did want to say what what I was thinking when I was making my coffee is that actually I probably have my loneliness to thank for me creating this podcast <laughs> because last year I joined with three other mums to create another podcast called Australian V-Back Stories. So I, I co-hosting with three other mums and I've known two of them. One was my doula, another one, she delivered a meal for me on my meal train after my second was born. So we kind of connected and, but I didn't know them really, really well. And then we started this podcast together and it was like being able to take a breath of fresh air for the first time in like four years because I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing because we've got this group chat going where we just talk honestly. And and one of them shared that she was having a really difficult morning and she was just like really honest about it. And I've never heard anyone talk about that kind of experience before. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I like the relief was just wild. And I'm like, I need to hear more of this. And I, I want, I guess, to provide a space where women can be honest about it. And so, yeah, like in terms of like to address loneliness is forming those social connections. It was everything that I didn't know I had been missing. And like, so we're like frequently in the group chat being like, thank you, I love you. And we just so <laughs> like kind of like loving on each other because it's such a relief. Like I couldn't mm. believe what a difference it's made to my life and then so I was just like well I've got the microphone now so I might as well start my own podcast and now I get to have these conversations with women where I get to hear experiences that I resonate with you know it's, there's so much energy here for me as well so I also wanted to say thank you very much for allowing me to be part of this because I'm like oh this is exactly what I needed today so Oh, thank you for having us. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having us. And that's exactly part of the reason why I started Maternal Journal too, because I'd come off the back of COVID. Mm. Hadn't really met many parents or, you know, having your seconds, you don't meet kind of other parents. It's harder. We'd come off COVID and I was like, I need community. I want community. And, you know, how can I offer that in my work to mums? Uh, but I really also love connecting with them too. So, you know, what a, what a beautiful space that we all work in here and how passionate we all are and how rich it is to be here. So thank you. In talking about addressing loneliness, I just want to talk about that it takes a lot of effort. I think if we take this sense that loneliness gives us information, it's telling us that we, you know, we, we are needing more quality social connection and thinking out how can we access that? And Lisa and I were talking before about it could be, you know, getting on your local mum's Facebook page and saying, hey, I've got a, you know, however month old, is anyone else around during the days Let's for a coffee? You know, can we arrange that? And I see that often. And, you know, people sort of jump on that. That often becomes quite a big thread that there are so many other mums that are like, yeah, I want to catch up with other local mums. It could be chatting to, you know, other parents of the park or starting to get to know an old friend who, you know, happens to have, have a child the same age or, you know, there's lots of ways to think about it. But I do want to emphasise that when we're wanting to start to build our community, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time. And it's not necessarily this easy, I just go out and find it and I'm going to click with everybody and it's just going to be so, you know, natural and easy. It's not necessarily like that. It can be messy and awkward 
and maybe they're not people that you normally would have chosen to hang out with, but maybe they're really kind and it's so nice to talk to someone during the day. So I kind of also just want to say expand your sort of sense of what it might look like and be prepared to be vulnerable in it. Like it's okay if you rock up with no makeup on and a messy barn and, you know, the milk down. Like let's kind of try and remove some of that, how we need to be seen and perceived to access that connection. Like we don't need to rock up in some performance to try and create that connection. And in fact, when we can show up as ourselves and be more vulnerable, that's actually going to assist that connection. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said and that's hard. Yeah, you need a lot of courage to do that. And I just think about Lisa seven years ago who went with a child that had silent reflux and uh, suffering from postnatal depression, not getting any support, going to catch-ups or local playgroups and feeling even more alone or lonely when trying to reach out to other people. And, you know, if there's someone listening, I just want to say that it's really hard, but stick with it. I think I got scared or maybe frustrated or disappointed really quickly. Maybe my expectations were also quite high. Like every time, you know, I was going to catch up with a group or see someone, it was going to be the relief. It was going to make me feel better. And then it didn't, it didn't fix anything straight away. And that's exactly what you were saying, Lauren, before that it just takes time. And, you know, if I had kept going to these groups, maybe, and had given people time to warm up and to open up more, you know, maybe then I would have been able to forge more stronger friendships or deeper connections there. But, you know, you never know. Like, I just want to agree with you and and also highlight again, emphasize that it is really difficult. And I also can understand that there's already so much happening and there's so much on your shoulders and then having to try and find your village on top of all of that is exhausting and hard and can be deflating sometimes, but it's worth it and it's necessary to do that. To be trying to make those social connections, as you say, when you are vulnerable and sleep deprived and not feeling great at all is huge. It's so huge, isn't it? And as well, I also think that speaks to sometimes it can be really nice to meet other mums in your area who are pregnant because it's like you can start to build that connection before the babies come and might start to feel more comfortable as well. But it's hard. It's hard and it's messy and it's awkward and, yeah, but still do it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I really needed this today. I mean, I know I've been (laughs) taking up a lot of of your time, but it was brilliant to be. Thank you so much for letting me be part of it. It was just allowing me to be like I'll help no I don't I don't know about Lisa but I'm I'm glad that our life didn't work because it's <laughs> you know it gives us it gives us new opportunities you know yeah. in this way it's been beautiful thank you so much thank you thank you <laughs> but I don't want to end we have to end yeah <laughs> If this conversation has brought anything up for you, please do seek support from your doctor or mental health care provider. And you can find the links and numbers for the Gidget Foundation, Panda and Lifeline in the show notes. You've been listening to The Mother Whelm, where we celebrate honest, unfiltered stories of motherhood. If you would like to be interviewed for The Mother Whelm, please send an email to themotherwhelm at gmail.com. 
or send a direct message to me on Instagram under the handle at the.motherwhelm. If today's episode resonated with you, I would love for you to join our community on Instagram. This is where you can find updates and behind-the-scenes content and share your own unique journey using the hashtag MotherwellMoments. To keep these powerful conversations going, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with fellow mums who might find solace, laughter, or inspiration in these stories. Until next time, you'll be listening to the Motherwell. Perfect. Beautiful job. Thank you, my darling. <laughs>